Kevin has a question. What are the major differences in the rules that must be followed by a Samanera and a fully ordained bhikkhu? Is there a different vinaya? You want to go ahead? You know all about the differences now, no? Um, hardly, really, but um, thinking, uh, I, I'm currently trying to ordain as a seminar, um, and I believe Jens would also like to as well at some point. Um, it's a bit trickier being a female, but um, from what I understand, um, you're asking about bhikkhus, so that's the male um, 227 rules, females have 311. Um, but as a seminary, you take on two more precepts formally. Um, the, the big one is that you're no longer handling money. Um, another one is kind of an extension of uh, no more sort of entertainments and Actually, it's only, you only add one, really. But the, the seventh one becomes two. Okay, yeah. All they do is split it in half. So, yeah, in truth, if you're talking about the, from the eight precepts, you really only add one. And that's a, you know, it's a very important step, and it's an important point that for any monk who's, who claims that there's nothing wrong with using money, it's really the only thing that defines a difference between a yogi and uh, uh, one who has gone forth. Um, but I think the important thing, if you're dating as a seminary, maybe with the exception of some cases, uh, as Bhante has said in Sri Lanka, people stay as seminaries so they can live the life of a recluse uh, and still cook food. Mm. Um, but I think in general, if you're ordained as a seminary, you're becoming a novice to become a bhikkhu and therefore you're somewhat or you sh you, you're expected to be training um, as a bhikkhu while you're a novice so that the day you do ordain as a bhikkhu it's, it's not a huge jump a huge shift and actually I was just talking to Jens uh, today yes <laughs> sorry Yes, I remember again. <laughs> you had more hair than you. <laughs> I was just talking about ordaining uh, just a little bit today with Jens. And yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. It's funny because she's only known you for a very short time. We want to climb with those two. And he was saying um, well, the training actually starts now for, uh, for us being here, even as uh, yogis with the uh, intention, the volition to ordain um, should start now, um, gearing the mind um, towards um, kind of relinquishing a lot of sensual attachments. And for me, most recently, it's been tea. Just uh, even though I can make myself a cup of tea, I have now officially Hopefully, this will be, you know, a, a very like, committed, I've really committed myself to no more making myself tea. If if I'm offered a cup of tea, um, that's one thing. But 
um, Pantes would really like people to not be taking caffeine. And I really, really enjoy tea. And Sri Lanka is famous for its tea. It's probably the best tea in the world. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's one step at a time. Things, no? We get so caught up in the little things. When I was in Thailand, it was the same sort of things. But it was much later because, of course, the monks in Thailand are mostly not keeping the rules. And so I had to just pull myself up by the bootstraps one rule at a time. And it was like, just, okay, so today no tea. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to do it. No coffee today, you know? It was that kind of thing. We're going to stop having coffee. Stop having coffee. No coffee, mate. No coffee, no sugar. No more. And then the Tetra Packs. No, soy milk. <laughs> soy milk Tetra Packs. No more soy milk in the evening? Oh, what are we going to do? And then it was just surviving off of cold alms food. That was a, that, that all took place at Samung. Samung was really funny because... It was so cold and uh, very poor alms round. The people there were not really interested in what we did, so there was very little support. Uh, and sometimes all we would get is these packages of mama noodles. Mama! You know, mis like Mr. Noodles in, in America. And, uh, and we, you know, I'd go back to the monastery and I'd collect together this rotten firewood because it was so wet and cold. And spend like an hour lighting a fire to cook these, no, not cook, but to reconstitute, to get boiling water and reconstitute these already cooked noodles. And uh, until these supporters of mine from Chiang Mai came up and, Ajahn, what are you doing? I'm cooking mama. <laughs> mama noodles. But, uh, but it was really hard going. So that was all that we had. And then having to give up on top of that uh, all of this other stuff and Brian was very upset Prab Brian you, you heard about Brian this guy from the Dutch guy he's he's actually contacted us again joined our site he was so upset at me uh, come on we, we can have something in the evening what can we have the soya milk we can have the soya milk in the evening no 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 we're not oh and it was so because it was very difficult we didn't have any it was just the two of us and no one was offering us anything there was no one, you know, there was certainly no rice gruel in the morning. Off on alms round, you know, basic, quite a bit of alms food, it's true, but most of it was just like pork rind or sweets and, and mama noodles. Uh, so it wasn't, wasn't, certainly wasn't a good protein count or vitamin count. And, uh, and, and then we were there in the evening alone, so I made some concessions. We had these, those belly fruits, you know. Those uh, little round fruits that you were going to buy at uh, An Anuradhapura. I know you were going to buy little round, no, the little round slices in the dried for making tea. They're big in Thailand, and we had some of those. And I said, okay, so we'll we'll boil up some of these. And we sat there, the two of us, boiling up these bell bell fruits and making tea out of that and drinking it, because it's actually quite good for you. The problem is that you really shouldn't be drinking it daily unless you're sick, but we were bordering on sick with, with, with that sort of lifestyle, but it was fun. Uh, but I remember that period because it was a real challenge. The hardest part was not that. The hardest part was that we were so used to having soya milk and having tea and having you know, these luxuries, getting what you want. 
Until I told the Mechis that we were leaving, and then they made me bacon and eggs and, and, and just luxury food because they were so happy that we were leaving. <laughs> that was horrible. This is stories of my monastic life. Anyway, yeah, it's amazing how the mind can cling to its uh, comforts. Yeah, actually, um, it's a bit ridiculous, but like, um, be walking in meditation, I'll think, oh, okay, yeah, no more tea, or oh, what am I going to give up today? Something. It's like Lent. I used to be Catholic and had to give up something for Lent, but here it's like, mm -hmm. okay, <laughs> it's my Lent, Lent for today. Lent on top of Lent. <laughs> Lent on top of Lent. It's just adding all of my things, but the f I, I do watch this sort of inner inner panic, inner fear arise when I when I say to myself, oh, I'm going to give up. And it's, it's funny because before I decided, okay, no more tea, like uh, making tea for myself, I had this this mindset like, oh God, that's really going to suck. Um, I'm going to be watching Kathy make her tea. And she's going to be like, oh, it's so good. And da, da, da. <laughs> and um, talking about her tea. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Do you really tell her that? No, I don't say that. I went to the restaurant the other morning. No? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> I did sit in the restaurant the other day saying how great my cup of tea was. But I didn't actually know at that point that you'd given up tea else I wouldn't have said anything. But it was a very, very good cup of tea actually. <laughs> Exceptionally good. <laughs> These are attachments. These yes. are attachments. Well, I was going to say that um, identifying when you give something up, that it's better not to think of it as, oh, now I'm going to give this up. Like, but to think of it as, ah, okay, now if I decide I'm not having this anymore, then I gain the sense restraint of not mm -hmm. needing to worry about this thing. And just to say, like, okay, I'm no longer going to feel like lust for this thing or going to even think about it I'm just not going to have it anymore that's an excellent point what are the benefits I mean that's the whole point it's, yeah. like, it's a wonderful benefit thing yeah you have to look at it more like that and when you do look at it's it like that it is more of a benefit it's, it takes away so yeah. much stress like mm. for example here we don't have at, at previous meditation centers I've stayed at you were allowed to have Ovaltine in the evening or milk or soy milk or the lots of other things and actually you would just get a lot more cravings for these things because you were allowed them and here when you just say to yourself oh, okay I'm not going to have them then actually you don't <laughs> feel so much craving for them and you don't yeah it's it's something it's another thing you don't have to worry about it's, it's another a great, thing great happiness that was what I wanted to say is that the, the the power that you feel, you know, the stories that I was telling you about this guy who, I wasn't telling, we were telling the Sri Lanka movement about this man who threw his pint pot of, rice, of, of beans into the river and said, I have conquered, I have conquered, because <laughs> he conquered. The, the, the power, at the very least, I mean, the, the power that you feel at, at not giving in to, to your desires, you know, to, 
to be free from your desires. But that's really an important point: is that freedom from desires brings happiness. It brings power. It brings clarity of mind, and it brings joy. It brings um, true, unadulterated bliss that we don't realize. We think it's the clinging and it's the craving and it's the getting that leads to happiness. But as the Buddha said, for every desire that is let go, a happiness is one. He who would all happiness have must with all lust be done. Yes, sir. But the interesting thing is, um, sorry, um, the mind is very, very tricky. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's tea, coffee, or whatever. Um, like when I did the 21-day course here, we, I knew uh, five o'clock-ish I'd have fruit juice, and I, the mind would start at, I don't know, 4.30, you'd start thinking about fruit juice, and you start visualizing it. You can really see what, what's happening in the mind, and uh, it wouldn't let go. Like, okay, now you're saying during the course, okay, I'm going to not have coffee, I'm not going to have no tea. And then you start craving for fruit juice. I mean, it's just simple little things, and it's so interesting to watch, and uh, it's so difficult to let go of. Really. So That's a big reason. I mean, the, the monastic life really does help. That's one really good way that it helps, is that, no, you may not have fruit juice. You may not get anything. You may not even get alms food. I mean, to have that fear in your mind every day is really a challenge. And there are times where you go without food. I mean, it's kind of, you feel ashamed as well because you're so weak inside. But, but, but the seeing of it, no? I mean, and, and this is another point, is that because you're giving up this and that, then you see it you know, more clearly than ever said. But for sure, this, that would be a good example of the importance of, or the benefit of ordaining because then you got no choice. There's no, there's no wishing for anything because if you don't get it, you know. I mean, I mean, and that's really why the rules are so comprehensive that tea should only be, as a monk, tea should only be for medicine. Because otherwise that's how it goes, you know, you're not allowed, you don't get fruit juice, well, I'll have some tea instead. Because tea I can keep forever, because it's, the Buddha said tea can be kept forever. But it can only be kept forever if it's a medicine. So it's, it's blocking up all the holes, I suppose. But in the end, there's the other point of what you're saying is that it's really guard the mind, no? It has nothing to do with what rules you keep or what you abstain from. And that's a good point that Kathy brought up as well. You have to teach your mind what is truly of benefit. You can't just say no, 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 no. Forbidden, 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 forbidden. The mind will not accept that. The mind can't accept that what it likes is, is a cause for suffering. You have to find it true happiness and bring it to true happiness. And so you have to see these things as a cause for happiness, or the abstention. I think we moved quite away from the question. <laughs> I don't remember what the what question was. was really? uh, uh, the question was the difference between a Samanera and oh, right. uh, <laughs> and uh, Well, there's a good example. There's a good yeah. good difference. Samaneras are are still and able. And they have a different veneer. A, a Samanera still can keep. Food, for example, still can cook food, still can have fruit juice of their own at five. I mean, Nagasena was having some, it seemed like some trouble with that, like he was able to, to take what he wants and so on, and that seemed to be an, a distraction for him. It's a real, 
encouraging thing to, to, to not have that ability. It's a test and you're actually able to test yourself. It's just too much convenience to do otherwise. And that's why what you're saying I think is as well, yes they only have one extra rule, so they only have a total of ten rules that they have to keep, but for sure they should be training in all the rest of the rules to to some extent. And so we start novices off by keeping the 75 sakyas and we'll have them. So I had Nagasena start to memorize them. But the most important is that you're keeping keeping the sakyas which are considered to be appropriate for novices as well. And I must say that um, uh, if I end up ordaining as a Mechi, one of the real pitfalls of that is that I still have that option technically to, you know, make food or drink or... Um, you can buy food, you can go to the restaurant as a mate not break the rules. Yeah, even handle money. Like, I, yeah. you know, I could, um, I could give up all my money. I could say, oh, I'm not going to make myself food. But um, what I find is that's much harder, um, say, at a monastery like this where you don't, even have the option of soy milk in the afternoon, <coughs> cheese and chocolate. I mean, that's mm. out totally out of the question. Um, when it's not even an option, it's much easier to just let go of it. Mm. But when the stuff is sitting there, and here it's not cheese and chocolate, it's um, kind of liquefied cheese and chocolate in a way. Uh, so you have this Viva stuff that's popular in the Milo chocolate drink. Um, and I don't know what they put in it, but um, maybe it's somewhat addictive or something. It tastes good. And, and then there's sugar and sweets, of course, even on alms food, there's lots of sweets um, to tempt. Uh, but I think the Vinaya is like such a blessing to be, you know, hopefully I will actually be able to fully ordain. Um, and have such a blessing that it's like no it's not even an option anymore like you it's like a protection uh in a way it's like not because uh, it's much easier to let go whereas mm. i don't know maybe it is it's good to exert the extra effort and say okay well it is an option right now and i'm choosing not to but it's mm. much harder i think I mean, the, and then there's the cynical other side of it is that it's easy to get egotistical about your rules. Look at me, I have all these, I look at how good I am at keeping these rules, and so on. the Buddha cautioned against that. So the only final word is that it's important to keep them in perspective, that the Vinaya is not the most important, and the most important thing is that the person has decided to go forth, so whether they're a Samanera or a Bhikkhu, most important is that they train their minds, or even whether it's a layperson. So the most important is the guarding of the mind. There was this monk who had, we talked, we had this one already. This monk who had an Abhidhamma teacher who taught him all the Abhidhamma, and the monk who had the win and, and he also had a Vinaya teacher who taught him all the Vinaya rules. And he thought, there's just hundreds and hundreds of things I have to memorize. I have to keep. He said, I can't even move my uh, my hand, no, or I can't even move my hand without breaking a, a rule. No? And uh, the Buddha said, well, can you guard one thing? And he said, guard your mind. He said, if you guard your mind, none of the, none of the rest of this is of any importance. 
That's once you can guard the mind and, and understand experience, understand things from an experiential point of view. And let go and see things clearly as what they are, then, then there's no difference. So the essence is the same. The person has gone forth. But the difference with the bhikkhu is that they've been accepted in the, into the community. And this is important on another level as for communal harmony. As a person may use money without being defiled, but when a community uses money, you're just asking for trouble and you get it. There's a lot of corruption and new monks become powerful and corrupt and cause problems and destroy monasteries and so Anyway. So yeah, different different Vinaya. <laughs>